Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Tuesday, August the 22nd, 2023. As always, I'm talking to you from San Francisco on the edge of Silicon Valley. There's an interesting debate brewing in Silicon Valley about the merits of big technology. Uh, late, last, late yesterday afternoon, I had uh, Benan Tabrizi on the show. He lives just by uh, the Stanford campus in Palo Alto. He's an executive coach and thinker and futurist. He has a new book out, Going on Offense, a leader's playbook for perpetual innovation. And he argues that big tech needs to continually innovate. He sees big tech, responsible big tech, as being a good thing. In particular, the Microsoft CEO, Satya Nadella, who uh, is winning big tech's AI war, he sees as a model for responsible and smart corporate leadership. And Nadella has become the pinup, I think, of the tech press recently, ironically enough, in a uh, a post-Steve Jobs, Bill Gates world. And now the question is whether Microsoft can hold its AI lead and its massive investment in open AI. Um, certainly, big tech is increasingly powerful. Uh, the Wall Street Journal notes that whilst maybe its uh, growth slows, its market dominance endures. And last week, there was an interesting piece uh, in Foreign Affairs, uh, co-written by Ian Bremer, old friend of mine, he's been on the show, suggesting that in our AI-powered world, big tech companies need a seat at the table of the great powers. But not everyone, I think, is in the big tech camp. There are those who are still deeply fearful of big tech and its impact uh, on our rights, our economy, and our democracy. And one of those men is Tom Kemp. Um, he, like uh, uh, Ben Antaprizi, is a Silicon Valley guy. He's talking to us from Menlo Park, and his new book, Containing Big Tech, is out today. Uh, Tom, congratulations on the new book. Uh, how would you respond to people like Ian Bremer and perhaps Ben Antaprizi, who simply acknowledge the reality of big tech's power and suggest that we need to learn to live with it. And half admire men like Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft, who um, clearly are doing their best to innovate their companies. Well, speaking as a Silicon Valley person, I mean, clearly right now we have dead zones when it comes to uh, markets that uh, venture capitalists and entrepreneurs are just going to avoid. And I don't think, and these are huge markets, right? Mobile operating systems, search, e-commerce, uh, the list goes on. And I don't think it's healthy for our economy or society to have such concentration of power. I mean, look, when AT&T was broken up, we had a flourish of innovations in telecommunication when Microsoft was told to stop bundling and requiring Internet Explorer to be on every Windows machine. It opened up the Internet revolution. So I actually think that the problems that we have today of over collection of our data, 
um, some of the issues that we're, we're going to face with AI just become exasperated because of the large tech monopolies. And of course, I just don't think it's just healthy that we have these no-fly zones um, in huge swaths of our economy that, that uh, startups just have to avoid. You say that you're speaking as a Silicon Valley person. What, what exactly does that mean? What do you mean by that? Well, I've been in the Valley for, I don't know, 30 years. And uh, so I've raised, uh, I, I started, a co-founded a company that went public. I founded another company most recently that was acquired by a large PE firm, Tomo Bravo, that was in the cybersecurity space, uh, you know, raised venture capital. Uh, the last company raised $90 million in VC money from some of the top VCs like Excel, Index, Mayfield. And, and right now I'm an active angel investor uh, in over 15 companies. And uh, what I've done is I've taken my knowledge of the um, uh, of Silicon Valley and uh, started doing a, a lot more advocacy work. And here in California, I worked on uh, Proposition 24, which is the California Privacy Rights Act of 2020 that passed. And right now I've actually written some legislation uh, that is winding its way through the uh, California legislature. That's the California Delete Act of SB, that's Senate Bill 362. So um, that's my experience. And I've had the opportunity to kind of observe the good, the bad, the ugly of uh, what's been happening here in Silicon Valley. And, and there's a lot of strengths to these tech companies and they've added a lot to our society. But I, I think it's foolish just to say, just let it be, because we do have some serious problems with the, for example, the weaponization of all this well, data that's being collected. You, you, you say um, that uh, you're a Silicon Valley person, but as a, as a Silicon Valley person, wouldn't you recognize as a startup entrepreneur, a successful startup entrepreneur, now a guy behind Kemp Ventures, that that the Silicon Valley, the nature of Silicon Valley is you some, You have a small group of companies who win. Then you have investors like yourself who fund new companies who challenge them, just as Google challenged Microsoft and Microsoft challenged IBM and IBM challenged those bundle of AT&T companies. It's just the nature of things. Why is anything different in 2023? Startups are not challenging the big tech companies in their core markets. They're not getting any funding. Like, I don't know if you talked about the, the last one, Neva in the search space, incredible technology, it, it failed, right? So, so people are funding on the periphery. Even VCs most recently were doing highly speculative crypto stuff, right? Um, and so look, the, but the reality- I, but I, I take your point, but- Hundreds of millions, billions of dollars have been poured into the search space over the last 20 years since the arrival of Google dominating it. Um, it's not Google's fault that um, that no one's come up with uh, a, a competitor. I mean, DuckDuckGo got massive funding. It's still a, a marginal company. Yeah, but but they're <laughs> I mean, if you look at the antitrust case that's coming up, that they're, they're actually they have anti-competitive practices like take ad tech. Google is the pitcher, the catcher, the the umpire in advertising technology. They take 50 percent of the revenue right there. And there's just it's so awash in fraud. It's ridiculous. Right. That so are, are you suggesting that Google is a fraudulent company? I said I think everyone will agree that 
fraud in advertising, online advertising is huge, that it's so difficult to actually figure out where you, you're not told where your ads are being placed, right? I mean, that's 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 the fact. It's very difficult. There was there's been a set of recent studies by this company called Analytics that has actually documented the the extent uh, to which people don't have visibility in terms of where their advertising dollars are going. It's just kind of a but, trust. But that's us. got nothing to do with big tech. I mean, that's just it, a, it, no, a rather they, rotten sector which Google. No, but they own the market. I mean, they 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 own. I mean, here's the problem. Okay. Right, which is in the case of Google, they they also pay forty five, fifty billion dollars to Apple and other people to be de the default search engine. That's the whole genesis of the antitrust case that's against Google specific to search. There's another antitrust uh, lawsuit filed in their ad tech with twenty plus states. Amazon is likely going to face a, a, a very large antitrust lawsuit as well. But look, let's just. How about let's take a look at mobile operating systems, right? Do you think it's cool that if I try to come up with a startup um, that sells a mobile app, that I have to pay 30% to either Google or Apple just right off the bat? And if I try to do transactions uh, within my mobile app, that I have to use their actual uh, transaction system, their payment system, and I have to pay 30%. In a normal market, right? The transactions fees are a couple percent. Or take, take another example that they, own, they participate in the same marketplaces that they're in, right? And so that gives them the opportunity, like in Amazon, to see what's being procured within their marketplace, and they can come out with knockouts or knockups uh, of that, you know, Amazon basics, or they can self-preference their own application. So I fundamentally believe, and historically, this has been the case in the United States, when you go back to the railroads, you go back to Standard Oil, that people that provide a marketplace shouldn't also participate in the marketplace. And so it is painful for startups that if they have to pay that 30% tax for transactions or just even sell their apps uh, online. And then increasingly with Amazon, that people have to pay so much uh, to Amazon and they run the risk that Amazon turns around and copies. So I just don't, I think we just have a completely unhealthy system here and exasperates the problems that we I, I, I It may be true. And, and I'm, I'm not sure I would necessarily disagree with some of the things you're saying, but isn't the, the fixed markets just as in the nineties, you would have made the same argument about Microsoft. Then you had Google and the web 2.0 revolution that changed everything. But what happened? There was an antitrust case that actually told Microsoft that you can't force the bundling. And so it was actually antitrust that put the pressure on and Microsoft was faced with being split in two. Finally, they agreed to not require bundling and then open up the revolution. Go back to AT&T, right? We, everything was AT&T in the, in the 50s and 60s. And finally, we had this telecommunications revolution because it was broken up. Because, so there was actually antitrust actually enforced. And the last major antitrust uh, case in the United States was with Microsoft, right? And so what we've had is with the big tech companies is two things. They've been completely unregulated in terms of the data collection. And they've, there has been zero antitrust up till just recently uh, with uh, Chair Lena Khan being put in place with the FTC. So, so that is uh, no problems with 
creating great big technology companies, but at some point, if you get too big, too big to care about your your customers and, and you start choking things off, then yeah, then then we should actually start taking a closer look at their their privacy practices and their surveillance practices as well as their competitive practices. So is your fix mostly, and I know you focus on this in the book, is your fix mostly a regulatory one? Lena Khan has had a lot of pushback inside and outside DC to some of her antitrust initiatives and her observations about the cartel-like behavior of these big tech companies, which you've talked about. Is the fix mostly regulatory in your view? Well, I think it first starts with education. And, and the, one of the reasons why I wrote this book containing big tech was to actually give a document to a layperson who has some concerns about, hey, is my privacy being invaded? What's this identity theft stuff? What's a data broker? What's AI, et cetera? And just try to walk them through and connect the dots in terms of, you know, you'll find that most Americans, like you and I know this to be the fact because we're, we're here in Silicon Valley, but most Americans actually don't realize that the business model of Meta and Google is advertising. You're not the customer. The customer is the actual advertiser, and that's what motivates them to do to do. So the what do you think they, they think do. the business model is of Google and Facebook? Selling How product. do they think they make money? They don't. If you really actually, they maybe if you spend a few minutes actually talking to them and they're like, oh yeah, they, they serve ads, but then they don't realize how they go about serving ads, which is actually unfettered collection of your information. And then you start asking them, is it cool that they're collecting all this information on minors, for example, right? Because there's no really no differentiation between the collection of our behavioral information for adults or minors. And then, then you start asking them like, well, do you understand that they use artificial intelligence to personalize everything and that they actually have a digital voodoo doll of you that then influences you and pushes you in certain directions. And that's why you only see certain news feeds or videos, et cetera. And it helps shape and influence, but it's, and it's doing that to keep you your eyes on the screen. Are these okay? big tech companies, um, Tom, are they all equally bad? I mean, Apple, if Tim Cook was on the show, he might agree with a lot of, of what you're arguing. He, he is the CEO of the biggest tech company of them all, a $3 billion company, but they're not really that involved in this advertising ecosystem, nor is Microsoft. Google and Facebook are, of course, and in some ways, Amazon. Are you suggesting that big all big tech companies are as bad as each other, or are you singling out companies like Google and Facebook? I, I, I mean... Probably because the first part of the book has to do with digital surveillance and the overcollection of our data that has increasingly led to weaponization of our data, especially in a, a post Roe v. Way world. And I actually found I did research in the book that uh, that you know Google promised that it wouldn't collect abortion-related searches and people going to abortion clinics, and I proved that that wasn't the case. Um, so yeah, so as it relates to digital surveillance, clearly what do you mean you proved that wasn't the case. I w actually did tests, did experiments, and actually found that uh, Google, even though it made claims that it would discard this information about abortion-related searches, people actually driving and visiting abortion clinics, that that was not true. And then that actually research was picked up by the Guardian late la last year that was based on my research. And then uh, a couple months ago, Jeffrey Fowler in the Washington Post 
published an article that's, that it was still happening as well. So they make promises and claims about their data collection, and they promised that they would not collect information regarding reproductive rights information, and they did, right? And it also, it's been found out that Metapixel has been collecting sensitive information from uh, websites uh, regarding reproductive health and other things that are covered by HIPAA, uh, FERPA, this, the list goes on as well. So yes, I would say Google and Meta are the worst when it comes to digital surveillance. My, my issue that I have with Apple is more on the competition side of things, the 30% the charge, the self-preferencing uh, of their uh, own apps. And so I think they uh, do not provide the ability for people to kind of more fairly compete in that space. Well, we are talking with Tom Camp, who's the author of an interesting new book containing big tech, how to protect our civil rights, economy and democracy. It's particularly interesting because he is based in Silicon Valley. He uh, is in Menlo Park and he's an investor and a tech entrepreneur in his own right. We're going to take a, a short break now, Tom. We're going to uh, talk very briefly about our sponsor, uh, Liberty's Quarterly, a, a journal of culture and politics. I'm going to run a short ad. And then we'll be back to talk more about uh, the dangers of big tech and how to fix it. So don't go away, anyone. We'll be back in about two seconds. Beyond the news, the noise, there is nuance, insight. Liberties, it's not just a journal of ideas. It's a meteor of intelligent substance. It's the place to be for engaged citizens. Politics, opinion, substance. Liberties is a triumph for freedom of thought. A quarterly of urgency of cultural exploration, of intellectual delight, of immaculate prose. It's invaluable. Subscribe now or find Liberties at your favorite bookseller. And you can check out more about Liberties at libertiesjournal.com. You can even subscribe there. Well worth it. Uh, we are talking uh, with my guest today, uh, Tom Kemp. He's the author of a new book. It's out today, Containing Big Tech. Uh, Tom, I've, um, this stuff really divides people. There are those who believe that, and I'm quoting from a piece in Fortune uh, from a few months ago, Silicon Valley's hubris nearly ruined the U.S. economy, whereas others believe, like in the Hill, that for better or worse, big tech remains the core motor of American innovation. Where do you stand in terms of the competitiveness of the American economy? Is, is big tech good or bad for the American economy? I think overall, it's very positive. I think, again, at some point when you reach some certain companies reach a certain stage that they stop innovation, they, they lock out competitors. And that's where, you know, the regulators need to step in. Unfortunately, across the board in the United States, most of our major industries has been consolidated one to two players, and that's not healthy. But when we think of AI, which is clearly, some people are very fearful of it. Some people see it as an existential risk to the species, but it's clearly enormously innovative. Microsoft is funding that indirectly through its investment in open AI. Google came up with the original idea of generative AI from one of their research groups and now is leading it as well. So, so, so why aren't these big companies innovating? Seems to me as if they are. And, and Facebook and Amazon and Apple, they're all investing tens of billions, probably hundreds of billions of dollars in AI. Uh, they, they are, but the 
the core markets that they participate in right now that there isn't that much investment in, in other entities in, in those. And they do have a unique and distinct advantage in AI because they have all the data and they have all the compute power. And so we run the risk that their monopoly positions that they have in approximately 10 digital markets you know, will then continue and expand into AI. And so everyone that wants to do AI- Can we talk about these 10 markets? Because they they seem to be, during over this conversation, they're growing. I mean, what- Well, okay, the the House uh, committee identified 10, 10 markets. And so I've talked about search. I talked about mobile operating systems. I talked talk about mobile application stores, talk about uh, e-commerce. And so you can just kind of go down the, the list right there. The same markets are the ones that Europe has identified with the Digital Markets Act. So it's pretty commonly accepted with regulators that these are the markets that that either are monopolies or duopolies with, with the big tech companies. There's a big difference between a monopoly and a duopoly, isn't there? Uh, of course there is. But 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 if they if they have the same pricing in terms of 30% uh, cut for uh, applications uh, on on the on the app store and that they force you to actually use and go through the mobile app store and they force you to go through their payment systems then it's basically the same right i mean I, i'm I, guessing tom if there was a, a rep of big tech here they might say something like well you may be right in terms of uh investing in AI, but it's not our fault that you require tens of billions of dollars to actually play the game. That's just the nature of this new market. It's very different from starting a website or a search engine or an e-commerce store back in the 90s. Well, I'm not, I'm definitely have not proposed anything as it relates to antitrust um, or regular. I haven't brought up any regulation specific to AI. I'm just talking about in the, the pre-existing markets where it's not competitive. Um, right. And so, yes, we, we definitely want to, you know, at, at some point in, in a market evolution, that it gets to the point where you have companies that have, have become too big to fail or too big to care, uh, et cetera. And we in the and historically in the tech industry, we've just said, hey, let it happen, you know, Hakuna Matata, et cetera. But I think it's fundamentally unhealthy. Uh, the fact that our data, the data collection is unregulated. We do not have a federal privacy law. And, you know, now people are talking about let's put let's put uh, some laws in place to put guardrails with AI. But but our information and data is not actually protected at the federal level. And the word privacy is not mentioned in the Constitution. Thankfully, here in California, we do have uh, privacy in the Constitution. We do have the nation's most comprehensive uh, privacy law, which I, I worked on, and I'm trying to embrace and extend that with some additional legislation. But the reality is, is that the vast part of the United States is not covered by by a, a privacy law. So it kind of first, first starts with the data uh, and giving people basic rights to say no, to know what's being collected, the right to say deletion. Otherwise, this is all going to be put into the blender of AI. And I don't, and I think people are complaining about from a copyright perspective, but what about my PII? Should I not have rights not to have my PII be utilized? Uh, what, what's your PII? Uh, my genetic information, my, uh, my, my face, my biological information. I mean, things that, the definition of PII is things that uniquely identify me. Do you think the Europeans who are heavily regulatory when it comes to big tech, they certainly haven't stimulated any 
successful or many successful companies of their own. Do, do you? Actually, I just you present the, I, I, the European I, actually, model I, as a better one than the U.S. No, no. I mean, look, I'm, uh, but I am. I've actually of the fifteen or so investments, you know, four or five of them are in Europe, and there's a very healthy ecosystem in France, in the U.K., in Eastern Europe. There's a lot of activity, and now we actually see uh, venture capital, you know getting closer to what we see in certain parts of the United States as well. So there is a healthy ecosystem. It just, I don't think it was because of the regulatory issues. It was more just like the, the ecosystem of investors, et cetera. But there is a very, I mean, there, I think in France, there's now like 20, 30, you know, unicorns um, out there as well. So, it, it, I mean, people just say, oh, you, you, you put, you associate, well, they have regulations and blah, 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 blah. No, that's not true. It was like the other, the blocking and tackling that made Silicon Valley successful did not exist in, in Europe until, until recently. The issue that I have with Europe is that they've done a crappy job of enforcement and everyone, all the big temp companies go to Ireland um, and have their cases done in Ireland. And there's a lot of pressure on the Irish DPC because they're like, oh, crap, you know, Meta is one of our biggest employers as well. So if anything, the, the actually the enforcement has sucked in Europe. And now what they're doing with some of their newer laws, the DMA and DSA, is they're actually consolidating enforcement centrally as opposed to uh, the big tech companies shopping around to what country that they can fight a privacy violation and kind of working the refs in a small country like Ireland. And, and so that's the issue. But the reality is, is that, look, we don't have any guardrails for the data for our data being collected right and so we the last privacy laws that we had were like Graham Leach Bliley and HIPAA that was pre-iPhone right you know pre-meta etc and now we've got all our healthcare information on these personal apps like shouldn't we actually have something I, I don't think that's too radical for me to say that our healthcare information shouldn't be just simply bought and sold you know willy-nilly Right. And, and I'm not sure how that is connected with, with big tech, because with or without big tech, you're still going to have privacy issues. What about Section 230, Tom? Do you well, have strong feelings on that? Some people well, see big it tech as... Provides, big tech provides the ad tech system, which this whole thing is facilitated from and through. So that they're like the sharks. And yes, there are remoras like data brokers in, in this actual system. And the fundamental issue is that People are hooked on behavioral data. And I'm not opposed to using behavioral data, but I am opposed to the use of sensitive personal information, like your health care, like your biometrics. And I'm also opposed to the use of behavioral data to facilitate targeting of children. So I do think that, I mean, so that's where I'm not saying throw out surveillance-based advertising or behavioral-based advertising and replace it purely with contextual advertising. I'm saying there probably shouldn't be certain amounts of certain types of data that's used. Now, sp specific to section 230, you know, I, I'm very supportive of it. It's the, you know, a lot of people call it the Magna Carta of, of the internet. The issue is, is that there is no, way for people to object and say, I see something illegal here. Um, I need to complain. And it just goes into a black box. So I do think that there should be some requirements placed on the larger tech providers, like we see with the Digital Services Act, where they actually have to respond to actual issues that are flagged by groups that have been certified that can funnel through uh, issues. So we do have problems with 
uh, counterfeit goods uh, on the internet. We do have issues with illegal things being bought and sold. There should be a way to flag it. And then lastly, there should be a way for uh, researchers to be able to access and see what type of uh, ads are flowing through, et cetera, so they can actually provide some oversight and guidance to the algorithms that are you know, personalizing this advertising towards us. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of people would disagree. It's just not entirely clear how that necessarily relates to, to big tech. I mean, even if you've got small tech ad companies, you have the same issue. What about um, the issue, of course, that the gorilla in the room here, Tom, is, is, is the threat of China. We talked about Europe. Europe is a regulatory threat, I guess, to big tech, but not an economic one, whereas China now has some of the largest tech companies in the world. More and more people believe, including, it seems, both the Democratic current administration and the previous Republican administration, that we live in a zero-sum economic game and that any gains for Chinese big tech is a loss for American tech. What about the China card or the China question and the argument, well, if you, if, if you, um, if you control big American tech, if you regulate it, if you break it up, then it's not going to be American startups that benefit. It will be large Chinese companies that work outside the American regulatory system. Oh, boy, where to start right there? I mean, so I think you just have to step back and say, should people have some basic rights about what's being collected about them? and how, how that data is being used, especially if it's their sensitive personal information that identifies them. And so, you know, the funny thing is people are like, oh my God, look at TikTok. And TikTok is basically doing the same thing that the other guys are doing as well, which is collecting all these micro signals about us, uh, et cetera. And so we should have the equivalent of food nutrition labels, and we should have some basic rights to, to know what's being collected and have the right to say no and have the right to delete and correct, et cetera. I mean, so that's what I'm calling for. It's nothing revolutionary. It's a basic bill of rights as it relates to our data, right? And we have that in California, but why don't we have that at the federal level as well, right? So I don't think this is like, you know, so onerous, right? Uh, uh, in terms of, you know, what our ask and what our expectations are as well, right? And then specifically, um, as it relates to newer markets, I'm certainly not proposing any significant regulatory or antitrust activity because there's no one has reached critical mass. But I do think that for the health of the actual economy, that there are certain market segments that probably need to be more closely looked at, and which includes, for example, the ad tech market, um, where you have a situation where Google takes 50% of all the ad tech dollars that flows through them, and they, they, they support the publishers, the advertisers, and they provide the bidding system. And I, but that's kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, you keep on repeating that. And yeah. it's a critique of, of Google, but not necessarily of big tech. It's, it's you know, it's, uh, it's, it's the one part of the economy that, uh, a lot of people are critical of, but I'm and still not entirely clear. I mean, you haven't mentioned Microsoft. Uh, should Microsoft be controlled? Uh, are you not an admirer of Nadella and what he's doing now? No, I'm actually. Where, where should Microsoft be controlled? No, it I seems mean, my... like you, you're focusing exclusively on Facebook and Google. Well, I think that. Well, I mean, if I were to kind of stack rank things, so I mean, Google and, and Facebook because they they combine the digital surveillance business model with uh, you know, a, being a monopolist or duopolist, I think they definitely kind of rate 
higher. I think the issue with uh, I have with you know Amazon and Apple, which will come to fruition in antitrust lawsuits, is that their their marketplaces are, are not competitive. And in the case of uh, Microsoft, you know they do have some practices as it relates to digital surveillance. They they have been. Well, you say uh, that their market, but let's take Amazon. Their marketplaces aren't competitive. We've done lots of shows on Walmart. Uh, there, there's certainly an alternative. You don't want to buy on Amazon. You don't have to. You can buy on Walmart. And there are lots of independent online e-commerce stores. So, so why do they have a monopoly? Uh, okay. All right. So how many? Okay. All right. So it is basically required that most people actually have to be on Amazon because that's the expectation that has been built up with consumers that the product is there on Amazon. And once you're on Amazon, that you're in a situation in which you have to kind of pay to play, right? Where you mean as a, as a, as a seller or as a buyer, as a seller, right? As a seller, it is a pay to play where for you. And that's different from walmart.com. But it's it's the it's the dominance if it's the core market dominance uh, in the actual marketplaces et cetera that the Amazon, you know, has for U.S. e-commerce has a dominant market role and the issue is with the sellers right there that you have to basically pay to play because otherwise if you don't pay to play that you're you will not show up in the top search results. Furthermore, Amazon sits there, looks at what's being actually sold, and if they and you've done all this research as a seller to come out with a hot product, say dog beds, and all of a sudden Amazon sees that there's a lot of dog beds being being sold, they come out with their version, an Amazon Basics dog bed, right there, and so that's fundamentally not fair to actually provide the marketplace, but also participate in the marketplace and be able to preference right there. So it's unfortunately that is the scenario that a lot of sellers find themselves. I think if you ask the average seller on Amazon, they're not happy by the, the increase. What about the average fees. buyer? I mean, no one's forced to go to Amazon, then go somewhere else. Yeah, well, but unfortunately, this is the way it, it is. Just like maybe 100 years ago that, uh, you, you know, the only gas, yeah, you could, would there be an alternative standard oil for, for gas? Maybe if you drove 100 miles, right? You know, you don't same have thing to with drive the railways. Miles. It takes you a second to click on walmart.com or another e-commerce store. So yeah, it's but it's it, different. Yeah, well, I just fundamentally disagree. It's it's that, that there is anti-competitive practices and it's going to be seen through uh, with a sort of- What about of, the politics of all this, Tom? It seems increasingly that big tech has become the evil that unites an appropriate low-hanging convenient punch bag both for the left and the right in america um i'm not sure where you are politically but certainly uh, the right-wing media seems to hate big tech increasingly and see it as the problem all these features on fox news about biden being in bed with big tech DeSantis is calling for like you for google to be broken up is there a danger that big tech will become a, a casualty of populist politics no i think I, I think the the reality is is that yeah there's a lot of you know both sides are kind of kicking it but i think there is common agreement as it relates to certain core things. For example, there is a bill called the Kids Online Safety Act, right? Um, which is bipartisan in nature, 
there's the Fourth Amendment is not for sale act. So there is common ground on certain core things. But, but coming back, but you, 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 again, you're moving the argument around. I mean, there are lots of small sites you know, from Reddit onwards that are and maybe not so small, but certainly not big tech companies that are dangerous, perhaps, for online users. That's got nothing to do with big tech. And in fact, some of the big tech platforms from, from YouTube to threads to Facebook, they're very carefully policed. Uh, okay, sure. So that's what you think. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, I mean, there's been numerous studies about disinformation on YouTube. The fact is, is that the these groups have cut their their safety um, and there there was a lot of issues stemming from the 2016 uh, election as it relates to this. And frankly, if you look at the Facebook files in terms of what's going on with uh, Instagram and with kids, et cetera, I mean, so I mean, so I'm look I, again, I'm just simply saying that we have a unregulated situation here and there could be a prioritization of what data is collected and who's being protected. It's like don't collect sensitive information and prioritize kids safety. And in markets where there is too much consolidation, that it's unfair, you know, in terms of preferencing, et cetera, that maybe we should look at, uh, you know, participation you know in a marketplace that is run by the the owners of the marketplace and so that's kind of my my main thesis right here is that there can be more being done um without actually i'm not saying kill big tech i'm saying hey we can we should you know contain it in terms of you know well, that sounds like the old Soviet. remember containment when it came to when it came to the russians during the cold war you calling for a kind of cold war containing no no it's, it's it's the in the book it's analogy about you know like a star play you you you, 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 you can't stop them you hope to contain him i mean so that was the, so it's the george kennan 2.0 no it's 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 more of a uh, it's more of a ESPN sports announcer analogy, um, which which I bring forth right there. But but look, I mean, the reality is is that um, great companies in Silicon Valley, it's 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 hard to compete with them, and uh, there have been some very documented issues as it relates to issues as it relates to civil rights. And I think in a post Dobbs world, it's going to get even more significant if we don't do something in terms of providing some basic privacy rights um, and look at the competition issue. Right. Well, we, we haven't really talked about Dobbs and you've, you keep on falling back on that. Maybe another issue, maybe another book. But finally, Tom, you've also mentioned California, which is interesting. Gavin Newsom has been on my show several times in the past. Um, is California the model? You've talked about some local initiatives, particularly given the seeming paralysis of federal government when it comes to uh, regulation of one kind or another. Should California be the model for other states, too? Are they doing a good job? Well, California has historically been the model when it comes to consumer protection. It started in the automobile industry and with automobile uh, emissions as well as car safety, et cetera. So it's no commonly known as the California effect. And frankly, I would take the California model as opposed to maybe the Brussels effect that, you know, with some of the concerns and valid concerns that you raised about Europe as well. So in California, we did come out with the nation's uh, first uh, comprehensive privacy law. And California, actually, in the early 1970s, it was voted on and we as a proposition, and we added to our 
uh, constitution in 1972 that privacy is an inalienable right. And so the, if you read the actual proposition back in 1972, it was very amazing that they thought about some of the concerns and issues that we face today. So I think California provides the right kind of ecosystem, and there has been some good laws passed. And last year, there was the age-appropriate design code, where it basically says, hey, if you're building products for kids, right, that you probably need to change their design, just like you have different designs for kids in the physical world, that you should do it in the digital world as well. So look, I'm an entrepreneur, I've built companies, I've raised money, I've taken a company public, I got a company acquired, etc. And so I'm very pro Silicon Valley, pro innovation, etc. But when it comes to these things, it's quite obvious that uh, things are not working out as well uh, as they could and should, and just handing things over to a couple of large tech companies and just saying, trust me, may not be the best thing. And maybe we need some a little bit more rights, uh, you know, for all Americans as it relates to our data.